0: Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, Sorry. smash the like button like your are Brandon Davies. You have consent. And if you haven't yet, subscribed to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel. Also do that while you're here. Let's get into it. Today, we are continuing our conference previews for the 2023-24 college basketball season. We've already done the Big Ten. Now we'll turn our attention to the Pac-12. It's 6 o'clock a.m. in Los Angeles, and we're previewing the
1: the Pac-12. Did we think this this through? We're doing a 9 a.m. live pod on YouTube for the Pac-12, and most of the league's fan base is asleep right now.
0: Yeah, we've heard of Pac-12 after dark. This is Pac-12. It's still dark.
1: Before sunrise. Yes, (laughs)
0: this (laughs) is Pac-12 before sunrise.
1: Yeah, exactly. Isn't there a book or a movie or something like that? Let me do a quick little search on the uh, movie before sunrise before sunset or before sunrise 1995 indie drama film. Um, Oh, directed by and co-written by Richard Linklater starring. Hey, 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 what?
0: It's great. You've seen it. The whole the the whole thing Uh, before sunrise before sunset. There's three of them, I think. And the first two are excellent. It's just Who, two people walking around Europe talking.
1: It is great. Who's the, who's the who's the male movie star in it?
0: Uh, Nada just put it in the chat, so he's ah. seen it. It's Ethan yeah. Hawke. I, it I knew yeah. it was Ethan Hawke and uh, Ju- Julie Delpy. Um, it's great. All right, there we go. And, and Nada, turn your mic on. Can you vouch for me here? It's great. Oh no, it's great. Like when I, it was one of the few DVDs. Like when I used to work for Blockbuster, which is a whole other thing. But yeah, yes. I I love those movies.
1: How about that? I have not seen Before Sunrise, but if you guys recommend it, first of all, love movie, love movie corner to start off the Pac-12 <laughs> podcast. We need to do this more frequently, and uh, I will, I will genuinely try and seek that out in the next uh, in the next few months. But before that, uh-huh. we've got a league walking the plank that we need to talk about
0: here. Yeah. Hey, my first question for you. Yeah. Is this our last Pac-12 preview? It
1: is. Well, you know what? Actually, on that note, let's get into a little bit of talk here and discuss this. I actually don't know if this will be our last pac 12 preview because I actually checked in amid all the Gonzaga big 12 scuttlebutt. uh, And if you missed that part, it's on our Wednesday podcast where we led with Kansas stuff. And then we get into a a relatively quick rundown on, uh, on Gonzaga. I mean, uh, on Gonzaga and the big 12. I just checked in on where things are right now with Oregon state and Washington state. And will those schools eventually team up with mountain, the mountain West and, No one has a definitive answer yet. It feels like it certainly is heading that way, but um, there is still hope being held out, and we don't have the answers yet on this because specifically like they're going through mediation. There's a lot of stuff that still has to be figured out with this, and the two remaining Pac-12 schools obviously want to hold on to that, that brand and to a lot of the money that's coming to the conference because of NCAA tournament units. And so I think there's a healthy chance, though no guarantee, And I think that some in the Mountain West would be open to the idea that the Mountain West might have some... They need to come to a marriage of the Mountain West goes into the Pac-12, all those schools. And so the Pac-12 name stays. Right. But you know inside baseball a lot of the stuff that happens behind the scenes like the the teams and schools and presidents that are in the mountain west they still reap the majority of the benefits uh financial and otherwise in order to make that happen i think People on both sides want to make that happen. And then, oh, by the way, an offshoot of this potentially is like if Gonzaga never goes to the Big 12, if that doesn't happen, might get, might that conference then try and get Gonzaga some years down the road? We'll see if we even get there. Um, so I'm actually not convinced this is the last Pac-12 preview that we're going to do. That being said, I, my reading on that whole situation is they need to figure this out in relatively short order. And by that, I mean thanksgiving at the absolute latest because you have to these schools have to figure out scheduling for next season already the football stuff's already a mess but then all the other stuff so uh i give it uh what the hell i'll say it's uh I'll say this is only a 34% chance that this is the last Pac-12 preview we do. I think they figure out a way to make it happen and keep the Pac-12 branding, which means if that were to happen, the Mountain West branding as it stands right now would go away if those two actually wound up merging. I think that's the most likely of all the scenarios um, for all the reasons you laid
0: out. Um, It it has always made more sense to me um, or seems smarter to me, and I should... um, make it clear. The lawyers ultimately will decide what's the smartest thing to do. They'll they'll figure this out. Um, But on a surface level, rather than Washington State and Oregon State just joining the Mountain West, why wouldn't you say, hey, we have the Pac-12 brand. We have these contracts that are in place. Rather than we come with you, why don't we just take the best of you and come with us? And that could leave some Mountain West schools, you know, the lower tier ones, um, you know, on the wrong side of things, but uh, that'll be a problem for them to figure out.
1: Agreed. I will, hopefully, they can figure it out soon. I would like to see that happen, and um, I think that Oregon State and Washington State are set up to succeed uh, going forward in a in a conference with you know with colleagues that are just a little bit more on their level and uh, and give them a better entryway uh, pathway to to all of that. There, uh, can I give you my five storylines here? Please do. All right. So the number one is by far, it's the last year of the pac 12. And what, what will we get from this, from this league? It's uh, the last year of the pac 12 as, as, as we know it. Correct. As we know it last year, of the pac 12, as you know, what will we get from this league, uh, how many bids will it get? We'll obviously get to that in just a, a few here. And then uh, what will happen with Oregon state and Washington state? So that was my, I, I figured you'd team me up on it, but that is easily the biggest storyline associated with this league. Um, two through five, uh, two is the health of Bronny James, without a doubt. Uh, he is expected to return um, and make his collegiate debut at some point this season. We don't know when, but all indications from LeBron James recently uh, are that Bronny is working his way back and he is expecting him to be able to play. Ultimately, it will be doctors that decide that, not his father. But that is a that is a good sign. And then there's the other storyline. Three is also with USC. And it's, will Isaiah Collier be the best Freshman in the country, will he be the best point guard in the country? He's the number one recruit in this incoming freshman class. He's got uh, great ability to use um, both of his hands, go both directions, can play fast, can play strong. Is a heady player, and we mentioned this on our USC Shootaround episode. He he doesn't seem to have been receiving as much discussion and ink in the you know three to six months leading up to his collegiate debut as some other previous top ranked prospects in the past five to 10 seasons and that's fine. But, and because he plays at USC, perhaps that'll still somewhat be the case. Although Bronny's involvement will probably uh, up his chances all the more. And USC does play on the opening night of the season against Kansas state. So there will be an opportunity for him to really shine. Uh, but will he be the best freshman and will he be good enough to lift USC uh, storyline four it? will keep it in LA. UCLA has a big reboot here. And you know, I'm not going to say that Mick Cronin's legacy as the greatest coach in UCLA history is on the line because we know that's not the case. However, uh, UCLA has a lot of turnover here, and I think it's on the table in all seriousness for the Bruins not to finish in the top three of the conference. Um, At least it's on the table. We'll get to that a bit more. GP's got thoughts on UCLA, no doubt. And then storyline five is Caleb Love relocating to Arizona by way of uh, not even pit stop at Michigan after... um, He committed there, and then uh, you know problems with you know transferring credits, and how much that would have uh, involved him really having to go through uh, a rigorous offseason summer course schedule to uh, to remain eligible at Michigan. So that's off. He's now at Arizona, and does he get a career reboot in a big way? And does he help boost Arizona, a Wildcats team that still some plenty plenty still think that is going to win the Pac-12? All eyes will be on him in the desert, as he should be. At least if Arizona is going to be good, Parish, he should be a major factor and one of the best guards in the conference. Those are my five storylines for the Pac-12.
0: Just real quick on Isaiah Collier, I had never thought about this until you framed it the way you framed it. Like I could walk into my studio at FedEx Forum, which is filled with people who work in sports, and just be like, "Who's Isaiah Collier?" And would would right. even one third of the people know? That's that's accurate. Yes, it, like it, 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 a. Res- relative to typical top prospects in the country
1: he's pretty anonymous isn't he i would yes i would agree no doubt about it yep yep yep. yep. but and he should happens, be also awesome. necessarily wrong with that i think it's just it's just the nature of how, i mean he's not even uh one tenth as known as his teammate that can't play right now right. you know and that's, that's a factor of being lebron James' son i get all course. that we've been tracking brony james for four years um but i bring it up because that should change and, and in part because of people like us, frankly hit that podcast about this and write about it. And USC will be in your top 25 and one, or at least it should on a near weekly basis. And if Collier is as good as I think he's going to be. And I watched a little of him play in USC's overseas stuff. Uh, he's got a real chance to be a revelation. I, you know, we've got our all American teams coming out next week. Uh, one spoiler for me, I actually voted him preseason first team All-American. I think Whoa. he will be that good that and it was narrow like he was my last pick for the team. But I, I expect him and it wasn't an easy decision because he got Boogie Ellis. Don't get me wrong. Boogie Ellis is freaking awesome. USC is going to have one of the best backwards in the country. But I think Collier is going to prove to be a revelation and a huge, huge impact guy um i am admittedly taking a bit of a chance on that because ellis could very well have the better numbers but i think i think collier is going to be awesome and be in the discussion to be the number one pick next year how about this
0: so you've got isaiah collier as a first team all-american i've got boogie ellis as the pac-12 player of the year (laughs) i i I think boogie ellis will be their best player
1: it's possible it's it's absolutely possible no, no. Um, and i've
0: got boogie ellis as just a spoiler alert i've got boogie ellis as a third team preseason all-american i had isaiah collier like right like actually had my third team because i construct
1: these like teams as you know i and yes, i know i know i was yeah. thinking about you as i as i did my own we'll probably no doubt we'll work that into an episode next week or whenever but yes you work it like so, a team i just try and pick the best impact.
0: so my initial third team i was just sort of you know i was i i just put it like Three teams, and I start putting people where I think they belong. And I, my third team, all American team, the backcourt was Isaiah Collier and Boogie Ellis. And I was like, I don't know, I don't know, is that overdoing it? It's not. I know it's not. You could reasonably uh, do it. I ended up going, uh, I think Boogie Ellis, Boo Booy as my oh, look at you, okay, as my backcourt on my third team, all American. But either way, like this is why I have US Among the reasons why I have USC projected to win the Pac-12, uh, that Boogie Ellis, Isaiah Collier, whoever you prefer. Um, that that could end up being the best backcourt in, in college basketball. And it's why USC has real uh, Final Four aspirations uh, heading into uh, uh, this season. How many Pac-12 programs are going to make the 2024 NCAA tournament? We'll discuss that next. But first, uh, a word from our partners.
2: Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too.
0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. So the Pac-12 got four schools into the NCAA tournament last season. UCLA and Arizona both got two seeds. USC got a 10. Arizona State got an 11. Dead leg. Pac-12 going to get less than four, more than four, or exactly four teams in the 2024 NCAA tournament. Answer that and then run us through who's going to make it while unveiling how you expect the final Pac-12 standings to look.
1: All right. So... The past three seasons, the Pac 12 has averaged four bids per season. It had four a season ago. It had three in 2022. It had five in 21. Now we'll remove 2020 because it didn't happen, although that was a pretty solid season for the Pac 12. If you'd go back even to the three previous terms before that, Pac 12 is averaging about 3.75 bids per season. So with that in mind, I'd actually, I'd love to see the Pac 12 outperform expectations and get there. Um, Kind of side plot to all this is: Can we get more than two quality teams? Like last season, UCLA and Zona were both two seeds. Uh, the Trojans and the Sun Devils—they both made the tournament, but they were ten, eleven seeds. And that's been a that's been a running trend here. The Pac-12 has been in the, in the years where it's gotten a fourth or a fifth team. Those teams have been in the double-digit seeds. Can they get a third team into that three, four, five, six seed conversation? We'll see. I'm going to say four. And by the way, our Pac-12 preview is up on CBSports.com on your CBS Sports app. We will link it again in the description here if you'd like to read along as you listen or check it out afterward. Um, my order is this. Um, I've got Arizona winning the league narrowly. I basically, I, frankly, I'm going to predict that Arizona and USC finish with the same exact record and Arizona will win the tiebreaker. However, that's going to be determined and get the one seed. So I've got Arizona and USC... Then I did. I gave Cronin the benefit of the doubt. I got UCLA, and I'll give a little bit of info on some of these teams. We both will in just a second, but let me just give you the order. So Zona, USC, UCLA. I'll and and I'm pretty in on Colorado. And the reason why I'm I'm almost hesitating a bit when you ask me how many teams are going to make the tournament is I'm going to say Zona and USC each get. I'll say they each get three seeds, or one gets a two, and one gets a three. Mark me down for UCLA to be in that five seat territory. And then I think Colorado will be wearing home whites in the NCAA tournament. I think it'll be an eight seat at worst. And so do we think there's going to be a big drop off after that? It's conceivable, but I've got the buffs at four. I've got Utah at five. Now this to me is going to be the semi surprise team in the league. I think it'll make it a push. Um, but I'll stick to what you asked me, GP. Try and hold myself as accountable as possible on this pod as always. I'll say Utah just narrowly misses. Maybe it's the the first or second team out of the field and and is a one seed in the NIT. I've got Utah five, Oregon six, and then I think there's a little bit of a line of delineation, and I'll get to the bottom half of the conference later in the show.
0: Um, I've got USC finishing first, um, and that's even like with the uncertainty surrounding Bronny James. Uh, I just think you got Isaiah Collier, boogie ellis like i mentioned that it could end up being the best backcourt in the country and then oh by the way they don't just have a uh, one future hall of famers son they also have a a, a current hall of famer son in dj rodman who has uh enrolled at, at usc so this is year 11 for andy infield he's made five of the past seven ncaa tournaments went to the elite eight in 2021 we talked about this before during the USC shoot around. Um, there were real questions when USC hired him because he went from like, nobody knows who he is to he's in the sweet 16 with a model for a wife. Like that the like, that happened like that. Yes. And next thing you know, he's being introduced as the head coach at USC. Yep. I mean, this was really like a, like a two week. He went from people who listen to college basketball podcast, wouldn't have known his name. And then he was in the Sweet 16. His wife's all over television. He's being introduced as the next head coach at USC with no regional ties, blah, blah, blah. And he's been
1: he's been really good. I don't even think Andy Enfield had the over on 10 and a half seasons there. No one had Andy. And that's completely reasonable. Not a lot of coaches last 10 seasons at any kind of power right. conference school to begin with. So uh, give him his flowers right now. Credit to Andy Enfield. He's been able to be consistent somewhat quietly although there's been a couple of good seasons and he's had some real nba talent he's got more coming in picking usc is entirely reasonable um and i don't disagree with you i think they're gonna i just think they'll match arizona for the best record in the league
0: so i've got usc one i do have arizona two and by the way usc number one in the pac-12 i've got them 12th in the top 25 and one i've got arizona second in the pac-12 17th in the top 25 and one and those are the only two schools i have in the top 25 and one from the pac-12 at one point i had ucla then they just kept losing players um i have ucla third in the pac-12 just outside of the top 25 and one but i mean it's w- we'll see they've got the greatest coach in ucla history still that's a great place to start Say in the court Nell can stay of course but they do have seven freshmen on their roster like that's excessive even by Kentucky standards, and and they have four international prospects. So, like they have an inordinate, uh, an unusual number of first year player, freshmen play, first year players, and more than half of them are people. Like let's just be honest, we didn't see them at Peach Jam, you know, no, no, I mean, international, but growing up.
1: So. Promising, but these this is this is and we'll we'll try to get to Sam before we get to the end of the show here. Sam Vicini special right here. He's going to love UCLA. A lot of oh. international flavor. He's all too familiar with it. Sam, give us a few minutes. We'll see if we can get your thoughts on this. But uh, how about this? So the pre the Pac-12 media day was earlier this week, and it was on Wednesday, in fact. And as always, by the way, if the Mountain West and the Pac-12 merge, uh, can we have the powers that be at the Mountain West, you know, fix this permanently? This it just outright idiocy of the Pac-12. The preseason. They do this in the postseason. The first team is ten dudes, and the second team is five. It's, I, it's I, like I don't I know. understand who started this. I'm I'm blaming you know what I'm blaming the Pac-12. Larry's I mean, gee, that's, that's, like the,
0: the, I you know, know we live in a world
1: football team.
0: First team having nineteen dudes on it. No, it's dumb. But like this falls into my argument that you and I
1: have. Damn it. I just picked the best players. does, I, does a football team, team have seven five centers out? But five big. In fact, wake me up in 2055 when that's when that's basketball. So that's why I'm good with it. That. I why.
0: um. We, we we live in a world where it's hard to g- get people to agree on anything, right? Very difficult. But we should be able to agree on this.
1: A first team all conference comp- should be five players. Five players. Five players. It's, this, is this might this might be eleven? Hold on. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. No, okay, it's ten. I, I was about to throw the headphones off this as well. But the, ten on the first team, five on the second. Really? That's what we're no, doing. No wonder your league fell apart. <laughs> no wonder your league fell apart. Yeah, your games on refrigerators and you got ten. 10- Players on a five-person team. Anyway, the reason I bring this up, Parrish, is that UCLA has one player projected to be a top-15 guy, per you know, per the preseason from the league, from coaches and media, and it's a Dembona who's deserving, and he's he's one of ten on the first team, but there are no other Bruins there, and that's because. They, they lost so much. Jaime Hawkins gone. Jalen Clark gone. Tiger Campbell gone. David Singleton gone. Amari Bailey gone. They combined to give UCLA sixty five points a night. So five guys on their five six. You said there are seven freshmen. Seven freshmen. Four internationals. And I think six of the six of the six guys don't have any college experience there. Um Bone is the most statistically proven guy that's back. So we are going to give. Cronin, the benefit of the doubt, but we'll, let's just wait. Like if you tell me UCLA has got some stumbles early, I'm going to absolutely believe you, but we'll, we'll see on that. And on UCLA real quick, um, uh, credit to the field of 68, uh, Jeff Goodman and Rob Doster went out to PAC 12 media day and they sat down and they interviewed coaches. And I saw this clip they shared on Wednesday night. Um, because there's going to be the split and UCLA is going off to the Big Ten. Yeah, that's really happening, folks. And Arizona's shifting off to the Big 12. Tommy Lloyd and Mick Cronin have been in contact uh, consistently about making sure that the Pac-12's best rivalry stays in place. Now, there is nothing in agreement right now. They have to figure out what they're doing from a, from a scheduling standpoint as a conference. You know, the Big Ten is going to be at 20 games. The Big 12's not... There yet, but it's going to be there. The Big Twelve is going to go to 20 games, and so it just gives you know fewer non-conference scheduling opportunities theoretically. But they both want to do it, and I think they want to try and do it as soon as possible. I would prefer that these games obviously remain on campus. Uh, Arizona is much better than UCLA, um, but it's 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 inspiring to see because it's all too easy to envision something like this happening and coaches kind of being like, "Yeah, it's just." I hate it, but you know, we'll just try and figure out what we can moving forward. That's not what this was. Cronin and Lloyd are both vocal and intentional about making sure that these teams play each other whether that means absolutely every season i don't know but it looks like they're going to try and continue to do as soon as possible that's a really really important and good thing for west coast basketball and if we can get you know we won't get these games in january february the last you know weekend of the year but that's fine if you tell me we can get wildcats bruins almost every season at some point november and december that's a huge huge thing and hopefully they can make it happen
0: so the top three for me usc Arizona, UCLA. After that, I do have Colorado. You mentioned it. Colorado is another team I've considered for the top 25 and one. Um, it, this might be the best roster Ted Bull has ever had. Um, he does have the highest rated recruit in school history. Cody Williams. Uh, is he really?
1: Wow. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that's I, all relative. I mean, that's relative to what? Two, four, seven of the past, like 24 years or so. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he, he is.
0: He is recognized as the highest rated recruit in right. history. Until coach Prime has something to say about
1: it. Well, that's, that's that's well I have this in my notes here like is Colorado Hoops going to feel the Prime effect although we'll see if the Prime effect is still in effect by the time the basketball season starts. But nevertheless, um we'll uh we'll see about that. Hopes are high in in Colorado Cody Cody Williams should be the second best freshman in the conference to Collier. He he's that kind of player and he's not the best player on the roster. Tristan De Silva is a stud. He's even not. I don't even think he would be a sleeper pick to win Pac-12 Player of the Year. I think what he can do in the front court um, and kind of they can move him around. I I think he's got a chance to be a, a, a stat stud. And then they got Eddie Lampkin, who's now come by way of TCU. He's on the roster. And then KJ Simpson. K, did he make the second team? KJ Simpson's got a case. Is he on this? I mean, hell, I think the team. I made. The he, he, he's one of the ten on the first team. He's, he's one of the 10 on the first team in the Pac-12. So, you know, preseason-wise, K.J. Simpson, who's going to run this offense, considered a top-10 player. Um, Colorado is only fourth, I think, for both of us because we are giving Cronin the benefit of the doubt. But it is entirely possible that, they, that Colorado winds up being a better team than UCLA. Although in the Pac-12 preseason poll, Colorado was actually five and Oregon was four. After that, I've got Arizona State at
0: five both high on them okay you know they got adam miller from lsu um bobby harley's coached in three of the past five ncaa tournaments you know we might have reached the point where he deserves some benefit of the doubt as well oregon at sixth um and then after that i do think is where we start to break away a little bit i had stanford seven utah eight washington nine cal 10 washington state 11 oregon state 12 But I do think once you get past Oregon, that's where it starts to fall off a little bit for me.
1: Yeah, I'll get to those in just a second. Um, Just a quick few more notes here for all the fan bases chiming in from the West Coast at this at this hour. Um, Good morning! From the top on bottom, just remember, Arizona lost to Princeton in the first round of the tournament. So Tommy Lloyd has won, you know, 90% of his games in his first two seasons, 61 and 11, but he's two and two in the NCAAs. So, and they got punked by Princeton. So we'll see uh, how they respond with that. Tubelis, Kirk Reese, and Courtney Ramey are all gone. Uh, Omar Balo is supposed to be a real impact player. We'll get to our player of the year, freshman year picks in just a second after the break. Um, Kylan Boswell is his name. I want you to know. I saw him uh, play earlier this, uh, or earlier this summer. He was with the USA basketball. Really, really good player. Um, It's interesting. Pella Larson was the, Trendy breakout player a season ago that didn't exactly happen. Kylan Boswell I think should be that guy in this league, um, and they and they will need Larson to be a reliable double digit scorer. They also brought aboard Keyshaw Johnson from San Diego State and Jaden Bradley from Bama. We have an entire shooter on episode dedicated to Arizona as well as USC. Be sure to go and check that out. We uh, we go deep into them in addition to UCLA, um, Utah. Uh, it all starts with Brandon Carlson, who's a center who is that's your sneaky, like, player of the year pick. Like, if you want to really go to a, a guy who can realistically win it, but it's still kind of a kind of an off-the-board pick, um, he's a seven-footer, sw- switchable, can play him at the four of the five, can shoot a bit from outside. Uh, he averaged 16.3 points last season. Really good player. And Utah is... I'm just in on them because of how much they bring back this season. Craig Smith is a good coach. Um, taking a little bit of a chance there, but I think they're going to pop. I've got him ahead Of Oregon which is a program that I feel like maybe it could be at a crossroads we'll see Altman this is his 14th season but the Ducks to me haven't felt imposing I guess for a good five seasons or so at this point Um, they've had some solid seasons but I don't know they've got they've got some experience and they bring back Plenty from a team that won 21 games, and Folly Dante is back again. He's their best player. If he can stay healthy, and he has had injury issues throughout his college career, that'll be big. Jermaine Cuisnard, who was injured to start last season, also he is uh he is a key player in the backcourt there. But I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm selling Oregon a little bit here. I, I've got them at six overall, and then actually I draw the line there. You've got Arizona State higher. You mentioned Adam Miller. Um, they're trying to get him cleared with a waiver, unless that happened when I was in Iceland. I, I might've missed that, but I, I know he transferred again from LSU, so they got to get the waiver to make sure he's eligible. Um, Hurley did not bring a board uh, really like a proven transfer, but he has been a good coach, and he's made the NCAAs in four of his eight seasons, which is you know, is a hit rate that no other coach in ASU history has been able to do, GP. Um, Frankie Collins, Jemiah Neal is the backcourt there and they're going to wind up determining how far they go. But I've got, I like, I don't have Arizona state in contention to make the NCAA tournament. I've got them in the top of the bottom half of the PAC 12 real quick rundown on the rest of the teams. Then I've got Washington. Mike Hopkins is in a hot seat season. In fact, let me just scram back up here. Hurley could theoretically be in a hot seat. See, he just, he signed a very short extension. If they really bottomed out, maybe I think that's possible. No one else above um, above that in my standings is Hotsie. Hopkins is. Uh, he might need to make the tournament to keep his gig. I don't have that happening here. Brought aboard Seville Wheeler from Kentucky and Paul Mulcahy from Rutgers. So that's two well-known transfers. There's another former Kentucky Wildcat who is still here, Keon Brooks. He averaged almost 18 points last season, along with 6.7 rebounds. Um... Braxton Mia is a 7-1 dude who can get up and down the floor and could be good for 10 double-doubles this season. I like Washington to be a little bit of a spoiler, but I don't see the Huskies really threatening to be top five. Then I've got Stanford, and this is the team that I'm willing to admit I could be just totally misfiring on. I think there's a chance that Stanford uh, really surprises people and works into that top five. Haas went 14-19 last season. He has been with this program for seven seasons and not yet made the tournament. He was probably the most surprising coach that kept his job, considering what the team was doing. We've actually had some commentary on this show about Stanford a couple of times over the past 12 to 18 months. Uh, GP and I, when we were... Coming of age in our in our college days, and actually GP was about ten years out of college back when uh, Montgomery was there. Um, I graduated with Mike Montgomery. We we remember Stanford being like a legitimate like national power, top ten. They went to point. the NCAA tournament every year, and and got they got multiple one seats. It's just it's it's a shadow of a shadow of what it once was. Um, that said. They got Spencer Jones back. He was a 14-point scorer, and I think him coming back is going to be big. Jared Bynum comes over by way of Providence, and they've got Peja Stojakovic, Paja Stojakovic's son Andre, who is on this team, we'll see how much uh, we'll see if he starts or not. But I actually think he could be like top three, four freshman in the conference. So they've got stuff there. But I'm almost positive at some point, and maybe multiple points on this show in the past year, I've said I am not talking optimistically about Stanford ever again until they actually prove to me that they can do it. So this is where that falls into that category because I got him finishing ninth. At 10th, speaking of Stanford, Mark Madsen, who if we had said in the middle of February, Mark Madsen's going to get a power conference job, we would have been like, yeah, he's obviously going to Stanford. No, he's going across the bay to Cal. And he did a good job in the portal. And he brought back, he reunited with Fardaz Amak, who was the second best rebounder in the country to... Um, Oscar Shiboy when Shibwe was at Kentucky and Amac was at uh, Utah Valley, when Madsen was there, Amac went to Texas Tech. It didn't work out whatsoever. Now they reunite. Um, I'm interested to see what Cal can be this year. Um, I don't expect him to be the worst team in the league. And if you're Cal, hell, that's a big step up. Then I've got Wazoo at 11, which I'm not happy about, but Kyle Smith is a smart guy. He's a good coach. I thought he'd get washington state to the tournament like one time in his first four seasons it just didn't happen this is now his fifth year um they lost a lot off their team in fact let me bring this up real quick before we take our break washington state they like all right tj Bamba went to villanova i think he's going to be a pretty impactful player they also lost muhammad guia who was it did did a ton for a, a team that played in obscurity. He was a major player. So was Justin Powell. DJ Robbins, now off to USC. They just there's a there's a lot gone here. They bring in Joseph Yusufu, who uh, was formerly at Kansas and then Drake prior to that. But there's just a lot that needs to be proven here. So I put Wazoo 11, and then Beaver Fever. Look out, Oregon State at 12. Now Oregon State brings back a higher. shots to Torvik for this stat. Brings a higher percentage back of its roster than any other Pac-12 team but the team did win just 11 games last season. I've got them finishing last, but I am willing to, uh, to say that Oregon State, if, if Tinkle does a good job, like ninth is is reasonable. It's a, it's a reasonable forecast, but uh, but I've got them last. And in the preseason poll, Oregon State was also picked last. Actually, it was Cal and Wazoo. So, uh, so there you have it, one to 12. We've each, we've each got four making the tournament. Is that right, GP? Or are you going with five? I think I'm going to go.
0: I, if you don't mind. If you don't mind. Six? I think I'm gonna go six. No, you do not believe that. I'm you gonna go five. I'll go five. I'll go five. That'd be a great that'd be a really good since Consensus top four now. plus my Sun Devils. And by the way, <laughs> yeah, if you if I ever hear you put Bobby Hurley's name and and in, in, in the same sentence as hot seat again, my son devil. I'll c i might it's come really I might come through this
1: laptop. <laughs> I'm just saying, if Arizona State lucky is lucky like, to have him, you ready? You're I lucky don't agree with this. I
0: don't disagree with this. He's coached in three of the past five NCAA tournaments. Even if he misses it this season, he will have the Arizona State coach will have been in half of the past six NCAA tournaments. What are we talking about?
1: I know. I, I, I don't disagree whatsoever. Arizona State is lucky to have Hurley. If you look at what he's been able to accomplish there relative to the every, every other coach that's come through there in their history he's done he's done a great job but there's a ton of unknowns there. I am if it if he was not coaching Arizona State and they had that roster I would be picking ASU ninth at best but because he is there that's why I've got him high. The next Arizona State coach whoever it is will not be as successful
0: as Bobby Hurley has been. All right, let's let's cut cut that, save it. So yeah, keep it keep that one forever. All right. Keep that. I, got, I I. it's always interesting what clips like come back around. Yeah, I got one that came back around yesterday. Well, not. Well, I might have seen it. I, yeah, have well, you seen the Kai Jones one? I have not. <laughs> not. Turn your mic on. Have you seen this Kai Jones tweet? I mean, clip? I have. I, I. The less said about Kai Jones and his unfortunate situation, the better. <laughs> it, so it's the night of the draft. And they're like, oh hey, now we go to GP with this thoughts on Kai Jones. And I, I actually say, I don't remember saying this, but I've seen the clip now. I'm like, listen, Kai Jones might be a good basketball player someday. I'm not ruling it out. But like to date, he's never been a good basketball player at any point in his life. <laughs> and some people, like Hornets fans, have grabbed that. And now it's <laughs> it's popping around a little bit.
1: So, I yeah. I so, no, it's, I'm not seeing it. Yeah, I'm not. So, it's, I'm, it's, so I'm
0: glad they kept that one. And keep this one. The next Arizona State coach, whoever it is, will not be as successful as the current Arizona State coach has been, Bobby Hurley. Lucky to have him. Hold on to him for as long as you can. Let's make some predictions on some awards. Oh, no, I got one more hypothetical for you. Oh, okay. Um Madsen has a good year at Cal. Stanford opens in March. What happens?
1: That's a wonderful hypothetical. But I I will sitting in this chair on October twelfth of twenty twenty three, I will say that Madsen does not leave after one year at Cal.
0: This is why you don't hire or, or, at least this is among the reasons you should consider not hiring. You're an alum of a rival, because there's always a chance he might just want to go back home.
1: And there's absolutely the
0: chance. It, it, yeah. Do you know this is a, this when the Ole Miss job opened before it hired Kermit Davis, Ole Miss interviewed Penny Hardaway, and ultimately among the reasons they decided not to hire him. This is the way it was explained to me. Like, first off, it's risky hiring a high school coach, obviously. Mm-hmm. So there's a chance it could be a disaster. And 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 so you don't want that. But what's the opposite of a disaster? He goes to Ole Miss and kills it. Well, then what's happening? Right. M- Memphis just comes in and hires him, right? So they were like, we just don't if it's a disaster, it's a mistake. And if it's if it goes well, we'll lose him to to you know his alma mater. So what's the point? And that th- I could see ended up in a similar situation here like you made a great hire but buddy your rival's job might open and he might just want to go back home i don't know i've literally never talked to him about it but it's just something to uh, something that popped into my head i got boogie ellis as the Pac-12 player of the year who mm. does Deadleg have mm. we'll find out next but first a word from our partners okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you
2: All right, I'll run you through mine real quick.
0: Preseason Pac-12 awards. Oh, it's USC heavy. Okay. Player of the year, Boogie Ellis, after averaging 17.7 points, 3.1 assists, 1.4 steals last season, while shooting 38.6% from three on about six, I think 6.5 attempts per game. High volume, three-point shooter, great percentage, experienced guard. Boogie Ellis should be the best player in the Pac-12 this season. Freshman of the year, his backcourt mate, Isaiah Collier, number one prospect in the class of 2023. And then if we're doing coach of the year, give me Andy Enfield. Year 11, he's made five of the past seven NCAA tournaments, went to the Elite Eight in 2021, and this could end up being the best best team he's ever coached.
1: Okay. Um, My Pac-12 player of the year... I'm gonna go with the player that I think will be the most impactful and statistically impressive on the team that's the one seed in the tournament. So I have Arizona, and I will go Omar Balo. So he came on strong last season. Um, had a little, had some inconsistency in league play, but I think I think Balo will wind up being the most important player for Arizona, and I've got him winning Pac-12 Player of the Year. My my ballot for it overall, I've got him. I've got him beating out Tristan De Silva from Colorado, who I think will be second. And then I have Isaiah Collier at third for player of the year in the PAC 12. I obviously have Collier winning freshman of the year and I have him beating out Cody Williams. Do you have by chance, mm-hmm. do you have your first team selection that we sent in? Do you know, do you know uh, your, your one through five by chance for, topic? for, twelve. for, I don't think I, Oh, you didn't send um, one in? Okay, we, yeah, I guess we Well, did. no, we I only seen. sent top three. You're right. We sent top three. Okay. I mean, I can find it. No, no, that's fine. I'm going to read off who you, was... How FU. about this? You just talk for a minute, and I'll find it. I'm going to give you the first team against 10 guys. This was the preseason poll in the Pac-12. Balo, Bona at UCLA, Keon Brooks at Washington, Brandon Carlson at Utah, Isaiah Collier, and if that's your top five, I think that I would switch out Brooks for Tristan De Silva. And Boogie Ellis for Bona, and that should be your top five. And Folly Dante is on there. De Silva's on there. Boogie Ellis is on there. Spencer Jones at Stanford, who is a critical. Spencer Jones coming back for Stanford is actually pretty important. And then KJ Simpson at Colorado. That's your first team. The five second team guys are AMAC at California, Boswell at Zona. Kobe Johnson at USC. We didn't give him much love earlier, but he's a very important player returning for Andy Enfield. Caleb Love did get the mention, and he we'll see. And then Jordan Pope at Oregon State—that is your official 23-24 uh, preseason All Conference. We
0: had to team. send in top three for each power conference in yep. in like our like a top three ballot for Pac-12 preseason Player of the Year, and mine were in order: Boogie Ellis, Isaiah Collier, and then Balo.
1: Okay, um, so we had two of the three that wound up matching. Um, Transfer of the most importance and impact here. Um I don't think they're going to be overrun with it in this league. I I kind of wonder if it's going to be Eddie Lampkin at Colorado. Like Eddie Lampkin had some real flashes at TCU. He is my... Caleb Love is the biggest name. Right. And it could well be him. But I'll zag just a little bit on that. And I'll say that part of Colorado getting into the tournament will be beyond kj simpson's playmaking ability De silva who again i think the silva is going to be a top two three player in the conference uh, cody williams a stud freshman but i will say lampkin winds up being like a real hoss down low and almost being that x factor that that definitively gets colorado over the hump because again i think they're going to be a single digit seed in the tournament i think that's a preview yeah i think that is a, that is a preview. So you got, so what, five, we
0: got what, uh, we, what we got coming up next
1: on Friday morning for the East Coast listeners, oh. 9 a.m. Eastern. Okay, live on YouTube. Woo. All right, and by the way, if you're a YouTube listener and a subscriber, we love you for it, appreciate it. But if you do that on on YouTube and you don't do it on whatever podcast service you listen to on your phone, just even if you never listen on the phone, give us a subscribe. You know, nice little five star rating, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify overcast there's all sorts of different podcast platforms out there however you listen to podcasts if you are a youtube uh loyalist but you don't do that on the other side if you could season's coming along come on and do it and if you're listening to this pod as usual and you never want to watch us and see our faces on youtube hey listen i can't i can't blame you but if you could subscribe it really helps us and helps expand the show we will have our acc episode for preview coming up on friday and then next week um We'll have yet another Terry Teagle update next week. But that's for the Big 12 episode. i kindly request that you not shout out Terry Teagle at the end of this Pac-12 episode so we can wait to litigate this on the proper show.
0: I'll grant your request. Reluctantly. Thank you. Reluctantly, I will grant
1: your request. He crouched at the starting line. All right, go ahead.
0: Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck Larnell. Thank you, guys, once again for watching, listening to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple, Spotify, more of us than there are of them. That's right. That needs to be reflected in the comments. So please do that. We will talk to you again Friday morning. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. It's going to be Food Truck Friday. What? Oh,
1: you got Paul's Boutique? Oh, you did a band shirt here. I didn't even notice this till now. I wanted to be a little bit like you. Well, I did I did Beach Boys, California, what? Pac-12. You decided to go with a group from New York. Yeah, what's
0: the better album? Paul's Boutique or uh, Pet Sounds? That is,
1: oh, oh my goodness. Okay, both would be... I mean, it's Pet Sounds. What are we talking about? Pet Sounds is the... Uh, is uh, one Pet of the great albums of all I time. Know. Pet Sounds would be regarded as the better one. But I'll tell you this. If you tell me I only can listen to one for the rest of my life and I can't listen to the other I'm going to take Paul's, Paul's boutique every time. Like yeah. I love I love Pet Sounds. In fact, I wore this where was I? I was wearing this shirt somewhere recently. Dude, I was in an, I was in REI. It was when I was shopping to get a few more things before going to Iceland and I'm shopping in REI and I was wearing the shirt and I'm looking, I'm over, I don't know, I'm looking at the water pants or whatever. I'm I'm, I'm with the flannels and all this, and I see this guy at the corner of my eye, and he's kind of making his way toward me, and he's still coming. He's, he's still making his way. Comes up, he goes, dude, That Sounds, one of the best albums of all time. I was, he's like, I love the shirt. Where'd you get it? I was like, I honestly can't even remember. I've had this shirt for like a decade at this point. I don't know, but it was, so someone, I, I get comments on this shirt because it actually is the, uh, the typeface and, and the colors of the album, right. and I love it. That said, I'm, I, Paul's boutique is is the more enjoyable listening experience, and they're both. You thought you were getting out of this podcast episode in twenty seconds. Uh, uh, uh. They are both for very very different reasons. Extremely influential albums because of how they shifted the dynamics of the genre that they are in. There will there is no album that is like Paul's boutique, and because of royalty rights and sampling, there there will never be another one. It can never happen again, and it is. Uh, it is worth going back to. I like that shirt, man. That's a good, good, good shirt. Yeah, I, I dig that.
0: So, Okay, so here's everybody's homework assignment. Watch Before Sunrise. Yep. Listen to Pet Sounds, Paul's
1: Boutique. And there we go.
0: And then we'll meet back here at 9 Eastern on Friday morning to talk about the ACC.
1: That sounds like a wonderful assignment. Uh, I'm not watching Before Sunrise before we did the ACC preview. That I can guarantee. you.
0: But get to it at some point. Great film. Great film.
1: Bye.
2: It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with the pillows. leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus.